1: You may have seen on social media, the uh, the big sedan challenge is in full force, and <laughs> things are already happening, and I am already seeing... Let me back up. The Phaeton actually ran great from the moment I got
0: it off the truck. <laughs> That's the point of selling the car. Hey, you bought the car? It runs great for about five minutes. Well, but I actually drove it a lot from when I got it off the truck. I mean, you heard the story about
1: the policeman. Welcome back to the podcast, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we, no kidding. Let, you know what? Let me stop real quick. We're in the middle... Of a road trip today. You were that's why it sounds like it does. We are in the expedition. We were supposed to be road tripping in the Phaeton. <laughs> we're in the expedition because of the story I'm about to say. Yes, and as yes. you heard in last podcast, Paul's driving, uh, we're glad to have the expedition, it's doing awesome. Except this drive is boring, but it's a separate thing. We're with you
0: guys, it's exciting. <laughs> it's cool to be actually recording a podcast. Driving knowing that you might be listening to this podcast while you're driving. It's yes. cool. It's and cool. To be along for the ride. Yeah, hopefully the, the audio quality
1: us. is halfway decent. Yeah, we agreed, are, we're agreed. hammering along. We thought it was going to be a very quiet studio uh, because we thought we were going to be in the Phaeton, which has double paint everything and yeah, no sound. But no. But we're not. We're in the expedition. I, I drove it. I drove it for the better part of like four or five days because, again, I got to left the truck. You heard the story last podcast yeah. about the funny thing that happened with the DMV and the, and the sheriff and all of that kind so of stuff. It. It's cool. been running great. Super cool. I put it in our local mechanic to put winter tires on it and do an oil change. And they also did a check over of, of it. And all seemed great. Lots of meat on the brakes. Everything's looking good. Put new tires on all that kind of meat stuff. Meat
0: on the brakes. Yeah, uh, you know. Anyway, and like so while
1: we were gone to Los Angeles for the LA Auto Show, which is what most of this discussion will be, it got really cold here and snowed a lot. And I got back, and the suspension was compressed as low as it goes, meaning just kind of yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna and, the, and let's think.
0: There's there's kneeling bus, and then there's Todd's
1: fake. and then there's this it's yes below the bus now. Phaetons are known to, if they sit for a while, they will settle on their suspension, especially in the front.
0: Right, right. This is a thing.
1: Mine even did on the transport truck. But as soon as we started it, it lifted itself up and settled out, and the suspension's been working. Nothing has been broken in the suspension. <laughs> Except for now it is. Uh, yeah. Now. So I took it back to the guys that worked on it, and we talked it over. And the first thing I'm doing here's the craziness that is the Phaeton it has two, count them, two batteries both of which are in the trunk. One is designed just to start the car. One is designed to run all the electronics of the, on the car, of which there are tons. The batteries are simultaneously like symbiotic and parasitic. Okay? (laughs) If the one that's supposed to start the car doesn't work, you can trick the car and ask it to ask the other battery for power and it will do so. I mean, this is
0: crazy the way this thing works. There's so many little
1: things about this car, it's astounding. You have to know
0: all the tips and tricks and the insider stuff and you twist the key to the left and you dance around the campfire and you rub your belly and you scratch your head. And then it does the thing that you want it to do, whether you're getting into the trunk or the back doors or the fuel filler or anything like that. Yeah.
1: So it, it does all these kind of things. And, I, and what I have heard consistently about the fate. And Paul's right. It's just a, the amazing number of, of gremlins that are possible. But so many of them relate to one of the two batteries or both of the batteries not being new enough and good enough. So I am having the guys that are working on the car put new batteries in first... Then I have to figure out, do I need new front struts? Which I might, which is the thing that every 2004 on the planet is plagued with, is needing new front struts at some point, to the point that Volkswagen even did a recall.
0: That's insane. But the recall that they
1: did, first off, this car is 15 years old. I don't think my local Volkswagen dealer is going to be excited about the recall.
0: No, they won't even rub their hands together in glee when you bring
1: it in. But the way the recall worked is they would put in new... Suspension, but they would make the owner, they would put in all four new struts, they would make the owner pay for one. Oh. But according to the forums, you're on Maserati Life, I'm on VW Vortex. Yeah, yo. baby. Yeah, so I'm in the Vortex. It, <laughs> it feels like a Vortex right now, i got to yeah, tell you, exactly. it, it's going nowhere good. No, but Volkswagen would pay for three of your four struts, but most people, when they took it into the dealer, the cost for the single strut they paid for was between $3,000 mm. and $4,000. Hmm. So based on the research I've already done, I should be able to get the front struts, assuming I need them, which I'm kind of planning for it and hoping I don't. Let's can I do both? Can I can I, I hope yeah. for the best and plan for the worst? That's sure. where I'm at. Well, that's what we're both that's, doing with these cars. That's what we're that's doing. That's what the
0: entire internet is doing. All you guys listening. So, so thank you for following. I may this need is struts. Getting crazy.
1: So we'll see. So this is the first thing, and you also have to know we were going to take this car on this road trip today and shoot the first piece of the car about the car while on this road trip. Now I can't because it's laying on its front suspension. (laughs) So that's what's up with the Phaeton. We'll see. I will of course keep you guys informed. This will be also in video form when I do the first review, but I gotta get it up off the floor first. Honestly, some of you made stance jokes. This feels worse than any stance car oh, you've ever man. been in. It's just riding as low as it possibly can, bumping into everything. There, are, It's on the bump stops, essentially. Oh, my god! It feels awful. So it's getting fixed,
0: we hope. And well, then there'll be many new fate and fails and stories. The uh, Both videos are going to be coming, guys, yep. uh, on the first drives for both these cars. So that's coming to YouTube soon. In the meantime, the Maserati has gotten its first check engine light. The CEL has lit up the dash. <laughs> this is why we have is, these cars.
1: Oh, no. Here's oh the problem.
0: No. I, I mean, of course, I haven't actually checked it yet. Todd's got an OBD reader, so we're going to plug it in and find it out. So anytime you clear a CEL... That doesn't fix the problem. No, of that course just it clears the code. Okay. Yeah, the code's
1: cleared. Yeah. So
0: I don't know what it is. It could have been the oil draining on one of the electrical connectors underneath <laughs> the car. It could be anything, but the car is running more smoothly since I've been driving it more. Yeah. And I was thinking myself as I was driving around I took the DMV to get the plates, to get it registered. Love it. And I'm driving it around town, and it's snowing and cold. I'm thinking, perfect winter car. It's the perfect winter car. Everybody's looking at me strangely like, what are you doing in that thing, man? Yeah, yeah. It's on its terrible summer tires at this point, so we're getting winter tires. Those are ordered. <laughs> and uh, I, I was just breaking loose, you know coming from Were a complete you? standstill the car would start to slide sideways seriously it doesn't just break loose and you're like oh i lost traction the car slides sideways that's amazing i hadn't no. heard that that's amazing just for the I'm crown of the road the slight car the road yeah, yeah, yeah. it slides that's into the car next to you or, yeah it's, it's no terrible. good it's no that's good that's very funny so i got this check engine light don't know what it is yet <laughs> and the the scary thing is it says ecu fault go to dealer like That that can't be good Go to dealer?
1: No. But I like your contrast, though, with the fact that it's it's running better than it did the day we drove it away from
0: Vegas. It did. It used to have this weird, crazy rumble, you know, at 3,000 RPM right around there. And that's smoothed out. That's gone. So I'm really excited about that. I think the fact that both you and I are just driving these cars already, getting some miles on them, is good not today, and I wasn't about to take the Maserati in this road trip, which we need to tell you briefly, and that is we've been invited by a podcast listener, Robert G. He is the Dean of uh, Energy uh, at University of Wyoming MBA program. I think I got that right, Robert. And he has invited both Todd and I to come to Laramie, Wyoming to speak to the MBA grad class for their business school and also the incoming business school freshman so we're driving to Laramie to pretty much <laughs> explain our story yeah they are actually having the students listen to podcast number 52 in advance of our trip there so our our entire business of everyday Driver is going to get broken down by MBAs hopefully and, we'll learn something because oh, what I think may happen here is it. that is so that, Robert thank yeah. you and thank you the University of Wyoming for having us out we're this is crazy. I we're, think uh, We're road tripping. I think there's a real chance that these students, before they listen to the podcast and see
1: all the stuff about the show, are going to be like, who are these guys? And then they're going to do it, and they're still going to be like, who are these guys? Yeah. So we'll see, guys? we'll see if this uh, makes a decent impact or yeah. not, but we are on our way, so that's <laughs> sure. cool. The main thing we wanted to cover in this podcast is we just got back from the one day, we flew out and we flew right back, one day trip to the LA Auto Show. And uh, thank you to those of you that said hi to us. We actually met multiple people. We saw James and Thomas from Throttle House. Yeah, hey guys. We saw Matt Hogan from uh, Road & Track. It was cool to see him. We saw many others of you as well. Uh, It was... Very interesting day to be because you're there as press, which means you get more access. But in some cases, you still didn't get enough access. Like the C8 Corvettes were
0: locked, and you couldn't get in. Which I can't believe. I don't understand why that was. They're going to throw them away anyway. They should just open the cars. I know we
1: sound like spoiled journalists to say that because if you go on a normal day, you can't get in stuff. But generally, everything's open. And here was the C8 closed. The GT500 was closed. The Mach E was mobbed. We're going to talk about a lot of these things. Uh, there was there was a lot to see as always, so that's the primary thing. There's a few questions at the back. Many of them are about the Phaeton, but I think I covered most of that up front.
0: <laughs> uh, some oh, it's all part of the lore. Oh so, yeah, we're going to learn so much about we these are. cars. We are and answer the, the questions. rattling around in our heads the, about the these should cars. we do this?
1: Yes. So the the quick hits of the auto show that I have to touch on really quickly. You may have seen the Instagram post that was me driving an Alpha Julia on the ring.
0: They had an Alfa Giulia
1: connected to a set of Corso, and they had the suspension connected to...
0: Casters essentially, we so, think the car was gutted of yeah, its drive yeah, train yeah. to make it lighter because it was on the hydraulics actually at the suspension points on yeah, the car that would pull
1: it down to, yeah. to
0: actually make it feel like it. And they, the instrument panel lit up, it was showing your speed, yes, per your the speed, game. Your RPM, so it was, everything it was like a that. a well
1: done system, very true. It's really cool. The problem with it was you had five minutes a person and you just got as far as you could down the ring in five minutes,
0: yeah. And
1: yeah. everybody ahead of me, I watched them really, really struggle and I thought hmm, this is interesting. And then I got in. And realize the reason you're struggling is because there was a, a noticeable, not not unsurmountable, but a noticeable delay in your inputs. So yeah. you had to be ahead of what you actually needed the car to do. And that took some getting used to. And I, I grazed a wall and would have done the equivalent of taking off a mirror in the first 30 seconds. And then I was okay. Also, there was no braking other than... Break as if you have no power brakes as hard as you possibly can. It was the only way to get the 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 system to break. So I nearly overran a first corner. That was interesting. That That was that that was the whole reason I did it was just to see what's this simulator like, knowing what it's like to go. Yeah, And you guys, Uh, by the way, you've just seen, we just dropped that uh, YouTube video of this year's pilgrimage trip, and it's made many of you jealous, and I don't mean this to be tacky, but that's the reason we put it out there, because we want you to come with us. Kind of, yeah. So it's out. And having been, and remembering having been very recently, it was interesting to drive this thing and see how the simulator
0: did. It was a very cool simulator, but there was just a little bit of a delay. Well, what I don't love about the idea is that it's actually kind of giving the Quadrifolio a bad name, because people who have never driven the car sit in the simulator, mm. and they think, well, that's how the Alpha actually responds. It c- couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, true. It, the, would, be that it would be much better. The turn-in on that car is crisp and amazing. Yeah, it's the great. The throttle response, the braking, all of that stuff, it's excellent, but then when you connect it to a simulator that has a delay, and am I'm, I'm worried that people are driving this game and driving the simulator and coming away thinking... Well, that was all right, but the Alpha doesn't drive too great. No, 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 it's, it's, yeah, interesting it's totally, point, you've got to disconnect I those wonder. two, of course, yeah. when you have the game, but they've installed it in a quadrifolio, which is not the right car. I mean, anyway. It's cool. Games still need to improve vastly, unless you have the $30,000 simulator or whatever. Well, the interface still, is
1: always the trouble, for sure,
0: it, for sure. It, it, very much it. So I was thinking about this, thinking, all right, the, the interface and the controls are delayed and sticky and, you know, it does not represent what you're actually doing, but... Still kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you saw some of our snarky comments,
1: <coughs> some of my snarky comments that related to being at the LA Auto Show. I want to revisit a couple real quickly. Uh, there are two cars, three cars, now that I think about it, three cars being produced right now where their companies are celebrating major anniversaries. Major yes. decade anniversaries, and the car was around a decade ago. The first one is the Dodge Challenger, which is celebrating an anniversary—fiftieth anniversary, maybe fortieth—I forget—but uh, I think it's fiftieth as well. Yeah. And but yet, what's interesting is that current version of the Challenger was around at the fortieth. Now, in the case of the Challenger, there's a lot of new engines. There's a lot of changes. If you buy a modern Challenger, doesn't look—I mean, a, like brand new Challenger—doesn't look much different. Little bit, but not not much different than the one in 09, but there's a lot of different engines. I mean, come on, think about the Hellcat and the Demon and the wide body, and there's a lot of different versions of that. So now we step over to the other two culprits. (laughs) One is the Nissan GTR, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary, but it also was around at the 40th. That car's changed a lot as well. Then we have the primary culprit, which you saw on Instagram, and that is the Z car is celebrating its 50th anniversary. There is a special 370Z 50th anniversary edition, and how is it different from the
0: 40th anniversary edition 370Z? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, other than saw, painting. We saw one in a parking garage, and I came out and I said, "Hey, Todd, is that a 40th or a 50th anniversary Z? Seriously? I can't tell. Seriously, they're exactly alike. They that one in the fascia, just a little bit. That one in a but decade, except for a tiny fascia change, is essentially give, the same car. I can give the GTR a hall pass because it's the gtr okay it came out it's still around you've updated it all right we don't love it but all right yeah but the z car it's the exact same car as the 40th anniversary <laughs> 10 years later look you could still buy this car we're here to make observations and tease the car manufacturers and tell you what we're thinking about these cars when when it strikes you of course things can change when when we drive them and we're actually walking through the show thinking all right, it's that car, what do we put it with for a TV episode or for maybe sure. that goes on for YouTube? Sure. Yep. We're actually yep. walking around kind of shopping that way, but we're yeah, we also are. shopping for you guys on the podcast because when we drive a car and we put it on YouTube as a fast blast, we're always thinking in the headspace, well, maybe we recommend this new or used to you guys listening on the podcast. So that there, there's a lot going on, but the observations for good or, or bad you need to hear some of these cars, and we, we have a list of things that stuck out. For sure. Since I'm For driving, sure. Todd is going to be calling everything out and going to be reading some of the social media questions. But I, I want you to hear some of these observations. So when you look at photos or you see one of these cars, you can take note. You can see what we're seeing as yeah. well. Yeah I, yeah, I want you to be able to do that. So I start in wherever I've got a list in my head I going. I do. let we'll jump in. start in where whatever car you want to start
1: with. I'm going to start a weird place and then go to something close to your heart. But I'm going to start a weird place, and that is Karma. Fisker was Henrik Fisker's company. Yeah. He made the Fisker Karma. Yeah. He got bought up by a Chinese company, and it became just the Karma. This is not to be confused fused with the new car that Henrik Fisker is making that's supposed to be kind of a Model 3 competitor electric car. Forget that for a second. It's so it's weirdly
0: about. Karma that he got bought
1: out. It's weird it's... Karma, yeah. Wait. So they've called the company Karma now. They have revised what was the Fisker Karma to make it a new uh, hybrid, updated thing, but they just dropped two concept cars yeah. at, I wanted to say SEMA because it seemed like SEMA cars but it's not the LA Auto Show no, no, no. these are I think they called them the CS it was like the Roadster and the, uh, the Hardtop they are fantastic looking it looks like a great variation of crazy uh, the best of Aston Martin styling what I found yeah. interesting looking yeah. at them is the hoods on these things are massive and you start taking a close look they have these huge like I want to call them seagull doors because they're these yeah, lower they're, they're wing, like wing doors. Yeah, exactly. But I what's guess, interesting yeah. is if you look at it closely, you can suddenly realize that the reason the hood is so long, again, there's not an engine, it's all built on the same chassis as their big four-door, which is massive. And the seats yeah, for driving yeah. are where the back seats would be
0: on the four-door. Yeah, and everything barely. in front of those two seats is just hood now. I have not looked up Crazy specs for the wheelbase. I think they're pretty similar. But the SC2, I believe, is what that coupe is called. 1100 horsepower, four motors, and 350 miles of range is what Karma is claiming at this point. Now, they're clearly repositioning themselves as even higher end. I mean, the Karma, when it came out, was what, 80, 90, somewhere in there? It was right around 100, I think. Okay. So that was the first iteration, but now the company's been reinvented. And to be honest, I'm giving them a fresh start in my mind. I mean, We all kind of tease Fisker karma because of, you know, all kinds of reasons. Build quality and the lack of interior space and all this stuff. Yeah. But they've reinvented themselves. They've actually put quite a bit of innovation into these two concepts. Yeah, yeah. And I'm giving them a pass because of styling and what they're claiming. It's going to be a high-end luxury object. It is. For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah. the hood on these, as you said, is massive, and there's no more storage. The yeah. doors, these long doors open, and you get a little tiny luggage there's compartment on each, on each side. cubby on side. It's ridiculous. It's like, wait, so it's not really useful, but it's a big car with a huge hood, and there's not a gasoline engine under there? It's very bizarre. What, it, what is there? The, the what, hood, what is this? Then? The hood could handle a V6 Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And almost a V16 behind the front wheels. I mean, it's a
0: massive hood. They have a dog-bone-shaped battery. Yeah. And obviously, the the passenger compartment kind of fits in the indentations, and then they built the rest of the car around it. Yeah. To be honest, it looks impressive. The, The construction of these prototypes looks really great, and the styling looks really appealing. So, as a luxury item... At that level, I wish them all success, and I... will see. I, yeah. I hope. I mean, I, I have high hopes for it, but, you know, I, I wasn't feeling the reinvention of the company until I saw these two concepts, okay. I thought, all right. all right, they're still trading on some of the styling, but the SC2, that new coupe... Really original,
1: and pretty cool. It does that does look very cool? Okay, now we're gonna go something more real and closer to your heart. <laughs> first time you and I've actually seen one. Yeah. The Porsche Taycan. Yeah. Which the first first impressions I have to say here are, it's smaller than you think it is. Smaller it than the Panamera, it is genuinely smaller than the Panamera. You see them parked next to each other, and you realize it. It it is honestly the middle ground between the current 911, and the 992, which is getting quite big. Yeah, and because yeah. actually at the airport we saw just the back end of a 992 parked in parking <laughs> space, and I went, "Oh, look, <laughs> no. there's a Panamera." No, that's a 992. It's gotten big, but um, it's not that
0: big. Yeah, it's it still,
1: but the it's between the 992 I and like the Panamera. Two. It's between the two. It can is can still a four one. door, four seat. Gonna own one someday. Okay, uh, I got in the back seats carefully, because the front seats, once it's the other driver's position, for me, there's two problems going on in the back seats. And this, I realize I'm a tree, and I have a big, long torso. I know this. But the uh, it is impossible for me to sit in the back seats of the Taycan and not have my head touching the roof.
0: You had more of a problem than I did. I mean, yes, I think you're just your torso is a tree, because we're the same yes. height. Yes, that's true. I and then you torso, get yes. in, and you're like, God, ah, this is super uncomfortable. I'm... You know, half as uncomfortable as you yes. are, but then you it know, is the kind of thing things. where
1: if you wanted to go to dinner and you wanted to take four adults to dinner, you'd be fine. If you wanted to go cross-country or road tripping like we are today, you don't want to do that with adults in the back. It'd be rough, but It'd it is rough. a great executive car for the way executive cars will get used. And again, like I say, you want to run errands and you've got even you know big teenagers in the back. Everybody's going to be fine. Uh, it's and super the impressive. The front seat yeah. has tons of space, and I got in it at one point and I moved the seat both down and back farther than i thought it would be possible oh good it dropped into the floor and went way way back so finding a seating position at any size is easy to do and of course it just has that really nice porsche
0: build quality i bet it's going to drive really well i was surprised by how compact it is very cool yeah and you know i i have to put my porsche love aside for a second and and turn a critical eye because i always look at cars and i think what don't i like I'm looking things over, and that comes from my design background. I'm you sure, know, looking yeah, yeah. over design on screen or in the flesh, and I'm you know looking at the thing, and I think, all right, what don't I like? And you know, okay. trying to turn a critical eye in an effort to either improve the design or find something, you know, where it could be improved or whatever that is. All right, so I'm looking at this thing, and I think, all right, well, build quality is there, and Porsche has, it's been out long enough, so we're used to the shape. Yes. but Porsche is introducing us to electric cars in a kind manner it looks and feels like a car
1: yeah it doesn't yeah. feel
0: like a spaceship and true. wow it's got true, a giant true. screen in the middle and oh, okay so this what is all this this is a weird interaction with this it just feels like car it felt Interesting like point. a compact sedan yeah, yeah, yeah. executed by Porsche we've had the Panamera around long enough to think okay I can see this alright sure you know and of course the build quality is amazing and, and you know all the interaction is sort of like just car High end, expensive, but this is this makes sense. So I liked it for that reason. Yeah. And then when you that. add the Porsche love on top of that, then of course I really can't wait to drive it. Sure. But you know, they're they're introducing this as, you know, still relating to what we know cars to be. And I still maintain that Porsche of any manufacturer is able to be the most successful at integrating an electric car because none of their cars have had grills. The the 911 Fair point. Fair you know. Point. Growing up, you know yeah. those cars. Growing up, never had grills. Yeah, now, good obviously point. Cayennes and Panameras have grills, but you know that they introduce this design language and it just works. They don't have yeah. to have some sort of funny stamped-out shape that mimics a grill. Interesting to, point. You know that is yeah. not. There's no air intakes. Yeah, but yeah, point. It's they don't have to do that. So it's very interesting to to see this and be introduced to the shapes having the Panamera and it's yeah. a little bit smaller, yeah. so it feels like a baby brother to it. Yeah, and it there's a sense about it that it will drive well. Yeah, it does seem like Take the badge off the hood and there's a, a sense that it probably will drive pretty
1: well. You also bring up a great point there and that is, I hadn't thought about this until we're talking about it now, if you just walked in and saw the Taycan shape exactly like it is, didn't know it was an electric car and somebody told you it was a gasoline car, you'd go, fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean it has it has things that differentiate it yes and the wheels are actually the only real giveaway that it's looking for aerodynamics and
0: it's an electric sure car.
1: sure but otherwise it could be a gas linker it's just a, it's an interesting design for a car and it feels that way inside as well yeah. the fact that it's electric is kind of just a bonus here and I think it'll be very interesting to drive I'm quite intrigued by it yeah uh, the, the theme of the show for me I know this sounds weird I didn't I didn't go in expecting a theme but the theme of the show I kind of took <laughs> okay. from was what I would call the tables of turned. Because you and I were talking about the fact that I think we've been going to the LA Auto Show on press days for a decade now. About that. Maybe a little more, but it it certainly is a decade solid and unbroken. And when we started going as journalists, I have to bring up the obvious, Lincoln was nothing to see here. Okay, We've teased about Lincoln for a long time. And Cadillac was doing really well, interesting stuff that we had not seen from Cadillac in yeah. decades and they were doing really well. Similarly, Mercedes, we were looking at a decade ago and going, I just there's nothing here that compels me but a bunch of big yeah. engines.
0: Yeah.
1: And BMW was killing it. Yeah. Okay. Back to the theme of the tables of turn. I want to talk about Cadillac versus Lincoln and I want to talk about Mercedes versus BMW. Let's start okay. Cadillac versus right. Lincoln. I got in, okay Cadillac now has changed their nomenclature again. The CT6 is the big boy now. So you have CT6, 5, and 4. Those are the equivalents of whatever the XTS was, the big one. Then the CTS and the ATS. So those are now called the CT6, which has been out for at least a year. CT5, CT4. The interiors of these are nice... The seats are actually pretty solid. GM hasn't always done very good seats. I actually think the seat seat comfort, front and rear, a lot of the uh, nice cars right now have terrible rear seat comfort, by the way. Yeah. The rear seats in these Cadillacs were actually good compared to the competitors, and the seats felt good, and the interiors felt like nice Chevrolet interiors. Oh. But that's the problem, is then we walked across to Lincoln. (laughs) <laughs> and Lincoln now, while they have they have taken every single SUV that Ford has thought about making, I'm waiting for the Mustang Mach-E Lincoln version. Yeah. Anyway, oh, they should just call that the McConaughey.
0: Uh, Can I'm,
1: they just call it the McConaughey? The Lincoln McConaughey.
0: That hadn't occurred to me. I wish yeah, you hadn't oh, had thought it's of coming. that. It's coming. Yeah, it's going to be the Lincoln version the, the, the Lincoln, version of the Lincoln that?
1: McConaughey. That's what it's going to be. It can't be the Mach-E's. We'll just call it the McConaughey. The McConaughey. Anyway, Oh, my gosh. But they have everything. They have every single SUV that Ford makes is now made in a Lincoln version. And and 10 years ago, everything Lincoln was making felt like a marginally upscale version of the Ford product. Now it feels like its own stuff.
0: It does. Cadillac feels like a marginally upscale version of the Chevy product. They've swapped roles. Which I can't believe. And your observations are absolutely dead on because we got in the Cadillac. And it's the CT6. So it was not the V, but it was the CT6. And we're looking at materials. We're looking at how materials interact with each other and they interface and Mm -hmm. where they finish off and taper off and, you know, all the details that kind of matter in an expensive car. Yes, for sure. And what Cadillac has cultivated over the years as, wow, they're really doing something, kicking Lincoln right in the teeth. That has absolutely changed. Interesting. And I'm I'm picking away, I'm looking at interactions and seams and, you know, touching materials and thinking... I'm not too impressed. This really was kind of a phoned-in effort. There was not a lot going on here. It's okay, but that's not good enough for Cadillac. It's upscale Chevy, and what's interesting is it makes for a nice
1: luxury car. But it doesn't make for something that feels like it stands out or stands on its own separate from the product line it's connected to of General Motors. Whereas well. Lincoln, I think, somehow is taking, because we got in, we made an effort to get in the Ford product of these SUVs and then get in the Lincoln ones as well. Mm-hmm. Lincoln yeah. has, I, I'm not saying it's everybody's style, it's, it's actually not my style at all, if I'm honest. But Lincoln's interiors right now don't look like anyone's interiors, they look like just what their Doing design language, they and do. The materials which, are very high-end. They've needed yes. to do this for a long time. Yes. They finally found something. They don't look like anybody them. else. And it's easy to look at other automakers and go, "Oh, that looks like something." No, Lincoln's got their own interior language. Their seats are crazy looking. They're very comfortable. You can get lots of different kind of unexpected color combos. Everything is power. Feels very high-end. It, it does. It's a little. And this is going to sound weird. It's a little Liberace for me. <laughs> and, and, and half of the audience oh just God. with it's a little who? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. But, but it yes. is. It's a little Liberace for me. It's it's, okay. its quite ostentatious. Okay. But it is very much them. And it—and you don't touch anything and go like, that's not very well. Done. It's all very well done. Interesting. Even in their low-end stuff. We got in their low-end one, which is the new one called the Corsair, which is the Lincoln
0: version of the Ford Escape. This is not a high-end car. And yet it still felt. And it still felt like it pretty high-end, you thought, all right, well, that's a nice touch, and oh, you get that feature on here, and well, that's pretty cool for what you're getting, and I actually asked the Lincoln rep, I said, what is it about your naming convention with all the SUVs going on, so that is the Corsair starting at the bottom, Mm -hmm. and then it goes to Nautilus, then Aviator, then Navigator, Yep. Yep. said, what is the deal with the naming convention, and he said, travel, travel is the common theme, which I... Actually I'm kind of impressed with to be honest. Yeah. That's okay.
1: kind of cool. They at least found something. It's not it's not CT6.
0: It's not you I hate know, to say
1: alphanumeric it. whatever. Cadillac's got so many good names in their
0: history and they've left them all. Yeah. Yeah, they they have. So Lincoln has found a theme. They found something very distinctly them. Yep. And yep. you start to go up from the Corsair and you look around and you think, "All right, well this is a nice touch and that feels pretty good." And Yeah. Actually, I do like the styling for for what they are? They're not my thing either. I, I wouldn't own one of them either. But for their market and for what they're going after, you think okay, so they're they're hitting what their sales goals are Agreed. for, for Agreed. a yep. um, you know a design brief or a completely, marketing brief. Completely there, Lincoln. Yep. Okay, that's pretty cool. So kudos to Lincoln for pulling it out. And having a pretty cool model range, I'm still not a huge fan of the Continental, to be honest. But, or but the, the MKZ, same, why is that same, thing still around? But at the
1: same time, though, those interiors... MKX, MKZ, what's the sedan? The
0: MKX. They, X, they, live, yeah. they live
1: up to these themes we're talking about. It is MKZ, because the X was one of their SUVs. Oh, anyway, sorry, we're okay. getting it wrong. See, Clearly, we need to study like I remember,
0: but But, but name, the names we know. Interesting. The, but the
1: Continental, with the suicide doors or even without, it stays in this same line of really good interiors. But what they've also done that I'm impressed with, and what I'm going to come, we're going to come back in a minute to others that have done this swap. What I'm impressed with is how much they've created their own style, but yet as you step up through the model range, things get noticeably nicer. This has been a struggle for German automakers for yeah. a bit, where we, it's very nice at the low end, but yet it doesn't get nice enough as you step up. And link, the Lincoln
0: step up, which yeah. is very impressive and, and as well. and knowing where to cut it off and yeah. how to make that impression at each of the four model ranges, how do you actually delineate that? They've yeah. done a great job doing that. So that was a huge surprise. Yeah. pointed that out, that was a huge surprise. And, you know, I, yeah, the seats and the way they work, they seem very carefully paid yeah. attention to. This was the thing that started a kind of a
1: recurring theme for us, walking around the auto show and just thinking, where was this company? What Pick your company. Where was this company a decade ago? And yeah. so we'll be yeah. back... With BMW and Mercedes. So there you are, wrenching on your car, and you round off a bolt head or you strip out a screw head, or the nut you need, of course, is frozen and rust. We've all been there. Now there's a great solution from Rocket Socket, a company which has a legacy of making fastener
0: removal tools with proven technology. Rocket Socket has created a new premium set of removal sockets for damaged fasteners of all kinds. They easily remove any damaged or rusted or frozen, stripped out or rounded out fasteners. And most importantly, all of the sockets are 100% made in the USA with only high-grade American steel. These are incredibly cool and perfectly simple. If the socket fits the fastener, whether it's a bolt, a nut, a screw head, whatever,
1: it won't let go. The secret here is the proven Razor Grip Superior Removal Technology.
0: All of these sockets work with all standard ratchets, impact wrenches, and power tools. We've stripped more bolts than we can count, so we're excited to use these socket sets and have Rocket Socket as a sponsor. Go to therocketsocket.com to choose the most useful fastener removal socket set for yourself or give a really useful gift this year. All of the sets work for all the other projects you've got going on and around your house too. As well as receiving free shipping, you can now use the code every day to save 15% on the socket set purchased through the web store at therocketsocket.com. You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably
1: still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time, and it seems there's always a new
0: place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to Autotrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at Autotempest.com.
1: All the cars, one search. The weather's changing, but the sun is still out and still
0: baking your car's interior. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I—I'm telling you, I swear by them.
1: These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long.
0: We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code everyday right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long, you know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, here's an idea though, let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything.
1: All you have to do is go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance.
0: Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today.
1: Staying with our auto show theme... Of what happens in 10 years The table's turning <laughs> When we were first coming to the LA Auto Show On press days We were in love with everything BMW was doing And Mercedes was failing to resonate Here we are a decade later And it's not because we're a decade older, mind you Here we are oh, a decade later no, And the really tables have turned here I, 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 oh, there's, so many, there's so many near misses going on at BMW And there's so many things where I, I also have to say that Mercedes isn't really my style In the same way Lincoln isn't my style But I can't help but climb into their cars and just think, wow, this interior is awesome, the pieces are great, I like, I mean, they've just done well. I'm not the market for them, in the same way I'm not the market for Lincoln, but yet I can't deny when I sit in their cars or I see, oh, I see what you've done with your lineup. I think they've clarified their lineup. In what cars or what? Except for the fact I don't understand why the GT four door exists in the CLS, but a separate thing. They've clarified their lineup. <laughs> Product the, planning with the GLs and the the you know the the A, the B, the E, the S. They've, they've clarified, and I love what they're doing with their interiors. And they feel like luxury cars no matter
0: what level you buy in. This is true, and I do like the fact that they have clarified a driving enthusiast part, even though they're a high end aspirational brand they're still bringing a driving enthusiast feel or look or whatever that is to the table in a lot of their cars. So it's not just like you said a decade ago, where it's just, you know, rocking big engines, you know, burnouts all day long kind of thing, and everything else was just sort of marginal. They've got something in every class. They've got something that speaks to your sense of taste and luxury and sporty driving and, you know, tech. Tech is dominating, and they're killing it. It just seems like every Mercedes we get into at this point is just, it wows you. And
1: they found a consistent style themes without them looking forced. And we've talked a lot about how various brands. Lexus Maw is a great example. Various brands where you you pick a style theme that is really struggling on some of your cars. Mercedes is figuring that out right now, too. I think they, they have... Similar design language. I don't even I don't even recognize this stuff as well as you do, but similar design language across all of their models that seems to create a
0: familial sense of style without feeling like oh that just doesn't look good on that. Right, right. Well, like we saw the new Nissan Sentra is just the mini me to the Altima, which is the mini me to the Maxima. Oh, go you just... one better. Really? the Versa,
1: the Sentra, and the Altima are. Each car is 10% bigger than the last. They're just like Russian a, nesting dolls, is all serious, they are. Yes, they are. Right? They're rusting
0: nesting dolls. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and Russian they're rusting. There you go. They're rusting Russian <laughs> nesting dolls. Can we stay there? There we go. That's perfect. Seriously. Well, so switching to BMW, and they did introduce the BMW M2 CS, so super lightweight, gorgeous, we want the car, we want to drive this car, looks great, and very much catering to enthusiasts. But then they've also introduced the M8... And the M8 Grand Coupe, yes, and in the metallic eggplant, which yes. is actually kind of lovely. But I think it's horrific, but anyway, we're, we're looking me. at these cars and looking around their portfolio now because the new two series Grand Coupe is included, okay, which is now a front wheel drive it's now chassis. Front wheel drive, yes. So it actually, in a strange way, because of the new sheet metal on the floor, because of the new styling direction, it makes the M2 look dated. It does. But the M2 looks tasty and attractive and yeah, it yeah. attracts us to it yep. because of A what it is and you know the styling is still good, it's just it's looking a little bit kind of behind the rest of BMW's portfolio. So we're thinking, okay, we're getting in various cars, and I'm trying to define what BMW wants to be. Mm-hmm. We know what they used to be, and that was the ultimate driving machine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And everything else came second. All the way to their luxury cars, all the way to the top end. Yeah, Everything else point, was point. second place yeah. to the driving experience. But now, define what is BMW. And mm-hmm. I say that liking the new 3 Series. I do. You do. And yeah, I liked a, a lot fan. of stuff about the Z4. Please watch the Z4 versus Boxster piece. Yeah. That's that car did well in that conversation. Season 4. Season 5. The end season of season five. 5. The end of season 5, yep. That's right. So that's on Amazon Prime. I actually really like that car, and I do like the styling. But I'm coming to you trying to define, all right, with the rest of their models and everything they introduce, give me a compelling reason. Why shouldn't I go over to Mercedes and be wowed? Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Well, that was a couple of things. When, when I, we got in the front and back of the new, this is the Front Wheel Drive 2 Series. And it is, I hate to say it because Nissan just released this, but I, I'm comparing and contrasting and they look kind of similar. It is the BMW Sentra. Oh, it is. Oh, a, look at the lines on the new Sentra pull them up. Look at the lines on the new Sentra and the way that the hood kind of kind of drops down. Look at the scale of the new Sentra. It's the BMW Sentra. It is a front wheel drive economy car in BMW clothing. And to my astonishment, if you're okay, if you're going to go that route as a car maker, if you're going to go that route. Okay. You're going to do it for economy and packaging, right? But then it's would, A, okay, yeah. not attractive, and B, the back seat is unusable for adults. That is a problem.
0: Yeah, That's really a is. a real problem. It I got really to Look, I know
1: I'm not the measurement. I've already talked about how I'm not the measurement. But we posted the, the posting on Instagram. I literally had my head cocked
0: to the side, and I had my feet getting crushed sitting behind Paul. Well, I, I was not comfortable. The driver's seat was fine. But fine. then I got in the back seat, and I, my legs were not comfortable. I didn't want to be there longer than five seconds. It hurt getting in and out. That's not a good thing, and especially from a stylistic standpoint, you said, "All right, so we're going in a new new direction. Mm -hmm. Well, look at the car, and it rang true in person. It was the BMW style guide applied to a new proportion. Yes. Same headlights, same grille, got the Hoffmeister, got the, you know, various, you know, eye-catching, highlight-catching pieces around the car that are You know, very similar throughout the product portfolio on a new platform. Okay. And then what's redeeming about it? Look, we're being hard on it, but we've we've got high hopes. We like BMW. We want to come away going, all right, this is the new direction. This Mm -hmm, is cool. mm -hmm. You've, you know, revisited or you're giving us the new thing again, whatever that is. You're bringing it back. Yeah. We haven't found that. Well, we got in the... And despite liking these other two cars I mentioned. For sure. We got in the M8 Grand Coupe.
1: Okay? The yeah. M eight. Yeah. This is a huge fast autobomb autobomb b- bomber, okay? This is that's what it's for. It is a and it will, I'm it is an executive great. super cruiser. But what I couldn't believe when I got in it is and we all talked about it, and again back to the fact that we're big guys, the car swallowed us. Yeah. We yeah. felt really, really low with you know, we, we tease the Camaro for having bad visibility.
0: The M8's every bit as bad. I mean... And it's a big sedan. The Camaro's a sports car and designed yes. to look and yes. feel like it. So,
1: okay. You felt buried in the M8, like you're in some sort of bomb shelter, which is the feeling <laughs> of the of the Camaro, even though I agree with you. It kind of plays to the Camaro's attitude. Yeah. This is an M8 BMW. Yeah. Why on earth do I feel that way in this car? It's The car sitting still felt huge. Yeah. Because you were so low on it. I was surprised by that as well. I want more from BMW as an enthusiast, but I'm aware of the fact you can see it happening. You can see a BMW with the new BMW Sentra. You can oh. see BMW going oh, so toward awful. sales and not being concerned about dynamics, but I still think even that BMW 2
0: Series is a problem in backseat room. I just, I wanted to come in thinking, alright, okay, so this is BMW's new direction all right, let's embrace it. It didn't like sitting in it. Didn't like looking at it. I hope it's nice to drive because that's the only thing left. That's a fair point. And they've been the grand bastion of making cars. Look
1: at that one series wagon we didn't get. Look at a lot of... BMW has been the sole holdout that offers
0: you rear-wheel drive cars that are small. And manual transmissions, too. Like, hey, enthusiasts, and we're, and we're we walking, still got your back kind yes, of feeling.
1: We're walking away from that now, which is genuinely too bad. Before we move on completely to a new topic. I want to revisit something on Cadillac real quick that I didn't mention. By the way, the CT5... Oh. which is the CTS. Yeah. We were talking Hoffmeister kink at BMW. Uh-huh. They almost had a Hoffmeister kink on that car, and then they realized, oh, wait, we're probably going to get sued. Look <laughs> yeah. at what's going on They had in a Hoffmeister accident on that they thing. They did. Somebody had a seizure while driving uh-huh. a Hoffmeister kink on that car. Uh-huh. There is a the weirdest, and it is an applique. It looks like a window, but it's not. There is a black shape surrounded by chrome that is in the C-pillar of that car, and we sat there, I'm not
0: kidding you, mouths agape trying to figure it out. It was. It's a puddle of bright work. It's genuinely ugly. It could have been treated in a myriad of different ways that I think would have been more successful because as you pull all those lines towards the rear, I think the CT5 looks weak. I don't think it lo- has a, a taller rear end, a strong stance. I think the Stinger, for example, has a strong look about it. It does, it does. And I didn't get that sense from the CT5. I'm thinking, all right, if you don't like the looks of a car, but yet you like... How it's built, how it drives, all those things. All right, but you know we're we're running out of redeeming qualities here. Well, and that's uh, n- without even driving these cars.
1: But jumping back to what we just were saying about BMW, the last redeeming hope for the BMW news, BMW's new two series is that it drives well. On the flip, <laughs> there's side, nothing the, left. On the what? flip side, though, for Cadillac. We know for a fact the GM has some of the best chassis engineers working today. I bet you that Absolutely. CT5 drives really well. I'll bet you it does, too. I hope it does. It's just yeah. there's the the interior is not as nice as materials as I would like, and I don't understand. And it's only on the CT5.
0: What's going on with that C-pillar, bright work, fake mirror window thing? It's weird. Look, you're probably wondering, if we're not liking it and other people don't, how does something like this get made? It's internal politics. It's egos. It's this manager having more rank than that manager. Mm. It's all kinds of reasons. It's committees. It's here's what we can build. Here's This is a little bit more cheaper to make. It's all kinds of reasons that come into play. And then, all right, so that design kind of satisfies this. Car companies need champions to push. They need champions in every department Mm. to Mm. push. And those are the people that, you know, whatever the... The theme of that car manufacturer is, and we see that manifested successfully in some car manufacturers, and not so successfully in others. Excellent point. You're right. You're right. We have two that we need to go into that are hype machines
1: because they have um, just the mere mention of their names brings out (laughs) people's thoughts. Standing on the back, we'll do do it in a second. We're not going to get there yet, but one we're going to end on the Land Rover Defender before we go into questions. But before that, we have to spend some time on the Mustang Mach-E, which we have now seen in person. Mm, yes. Was it you that named it the Mustang
0: Mach-Me? M-Mach- well, somebody else on Twitter called that out. The Mustang Mach-Me. But That's I, I thought my my about the favorite. same thing. That's pretty good. M-O-C-K, I really do like yes. that, yes. It, it's um, There it is on the show stand. So there it is. Both white. flavors, the GT and the base models. And I do maintain that the wheelbase is slightly too long. It gives it an odd proportion and proportions everything, especially when it comes to sales. People have to like these things how they look. And so all those styling elements that I told you about, I was looking for those elements. But then I came across one that mm-hmm. we had mentioned but hadn't spent too much time on, and that is the door handles. Mm. Now, at this point, you know that the, the lack of door handles. does not have any, okay? Yes. It has, for the two front doors, a very small fixed handle that's more like just a, a grab handle for a drawer. Yep. But how you open the door is a push button. So yep. it's an electronic latch, you push the button, and a solenoid pops it, it open. It looks like a doorbell. It looks like a doorbell it kind on the of door. Is. And you press it. It looks and the like, door like a modern. It like, looks like one of those ring doorbells. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. So you push it on the front doors. You know where to pull. Yep. On the back doors. There's nothing to pull on. Ford explicitly has said, "You push the button, the door will pop open for you, and you put your fingers in the seam and you pull the door open." This is real. This is after decades of all of our parents telling us. Honey, don't put your fingers in the door. Yep. You'll get you'll get them slammed. You're yep. going to get hurt. Yep. And after, you know, emergency service personnel wanting to get you out of a wrecked car, the first thing they hook onto is the handle yep to pull it open. If the electrics go, if the batteries die, there's no way to open that door from the outside. There there doesn't appear to be. Well, but you bring up the larger point, and that is we literally are talking about a scenario
1: here where we are walking up to doors crowbar style and curling our fingers around the edge
0: to open the door. So what about kids? Surely yes. there's parents with kids who work at Ford. And... Now we're being told, you push the button, so you're pushing in on the door that then pushes back out at you to open. Yep. Put your fingers in the door awkwardly and pull it open. Peel it open, yep. Now, what happens when these cars get dirty? There's going to be a whole bunch of muck and gunk. The handle is kind of the last delicate place to open the door without getting your hands dirty if if it's wintertime outside. Okay, forget about that. How about kids? Yeah. Yeah. I agree, okay, with now, I agree with you. Okay, now the kids are jostling, and they're trying to get in, and they're playing, and they're banging against the car, and ha, ha and the door pops open, and then somebody accidentally bumps their shoulder back against the door when somebody's fingers are in it. Little fingers in there are going to be the downfall. I'm, I'm calling it now. But I, I do think Ford's going to have to do some sort of change or fix to that, because I just think that's also good.
1: isn't usable. It's, it's that is a weird place of all places because so many times when you and I talk about where well, we wish the design department would win this <laughs> yeah. is a place where the de- design department won and I am baffled by it because why <laughs> and I'm coming back to it for some reason Elon Musk got hurt by door handles as a child so <laughs> none of his cars are allowed to have normal doors yeah. somehow that has leaked its way into Ford I was talking about how I know they're watching Tesla it's leaked its way into Ford and now we have to hate door handles folks door
0: handles work and they do. now we they have. There's a styling have, element that breaks up the surface that if you don't like it, it breaks it up. Now it's we nice. have rear doors on the Mustang Mach E that do not have a handle of any kind. I'm really concerned about this. This just. I know, I, and I come from the design standpoint. I think, all right, you just want a clean surface. Okay. But, uh, you know, reality and function and. You know, people interacting with your car. That yeah. takes precedence.
1: Well, I mean, I know we're hammering on this, but it was a really... we The minute Paul discovered it, we all started talking
0: about it. We all stood there just shocked. Can you imagine little we started, fingers in the yes, door and we, they bump it back closed and somebody's going to scream bloody murder and We just started all thinking bad. about what we do when we drive these cars for the show, too. The
1: usability factors, the daily factor, the school run, the coffee run, the pile the kids or, or the grandparents or whoever in the back this is we started thinking about those factors and thought that is a huge oversight in the name of hey look at us we did something cool and crazy and futuristic which brings me to the other styling at large seeing it in person I'm baffled this is called a Mustang because the only genuine yeah. Mustang, recognizable Mustang-style elements I can see on it is the taillights. Yeah. And I said a couple of times, and you think about this, this is Paul and I standing there with Chance. And you all know Chance, and you all know Chance's Mustang love. But the three of us are standing there, and I made the comment where I said, I don't think it looks anything like the Mustang, and I don't think it's attractive. And Chance instantly said, I like the taillights. But that's, <laughs> the, that's the irony, because the taillights are the only thing that looks like a Mustang. It doesn't look like a Mustang.
0: So, therefore, what is Mustang DNA? Exactly. What about this vehicle? Is it just the logo? It's It's just the logo and something to talk about. I suppose And sequential so. taillights, I guess. It's all marketing stuff at this point. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's move on.
1: Well, I had one keep, other thought. Okay, all right. Was being, beating, here in the winter, being here in the winter made me think of this, because you made a comment as well. Electric cars, I still feel like, are being designed for nice climates. I do too. What happens when that spend time in the muck? What happens when that rear
0: door that has no door handle gets frozen shut in the winter? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are you gonna pull on? You have to get in, climb into the back seat, and use your legs and push push the the door from the outside and kick it open. Yes, because that's everybody on the
1: planet. And I'm not talking your doors frozen in two inches of ice. I'm talking about that any of you that live in a place that gets cold have had that thing where you pull on the door handle and it does that tiny little creak. You just broke a little bit of ice away, but you've got a big handle to pull on.
0: Here's the problem. Good luck. The Mach-E was designed in Detroit. Weird. Good point. Good point. It gets cold and icy and nasty in Detroit. I'm really wondering...
1: Yes, of course, we want to drive it. I'm really wondering about the usability, and we both think
0: that rear door handle is going to come back and need a Ford fix. I think it's going to need attention in a big way, but... (laughs) You know, when car companies issue recalls, it's for things like, you know, that are fixable. You don't have outer to, door. You don't have to collect hot, the cars hot, back hot. to the factories and replace a thing. You have the dealers do that. So are we gonna have dealers replace rear doors? That's interesting. Let's Yikes. move on
1: to the other big hype machine: the uh, the Range Rover Defender. And actually, our, our shooter Edgar went to the big reveal the night before, and he was at the big reveal. And the big thing that they were saying at the big reveal, and Edgar enjoyed going. And I was really glad that we, that he could go. The big thing they were saying at the reveal that he was sharing with us is that Range Rover is looking at this as kind of the bottom of their lineup like the more accessible everyday car for their lineup it starts as low as 40 grand now you can get if you get like the first versions they start at 65 and go up but they do start in the mid 40s And you can get hybrid tech on them. And the other thing that they're excited about about is making it modular. How would you like to make your Defender, sir? You know, what what pack do you want? There's all these different accessories. I mean, it's
0: almost like Mini Cooper thinking applied to Range Rovers. A little bit, although you've heard me before. I caution anybody who applies, hey, it's endlessly modular, and you flip it, and you reverse it. You know, reversible belts and jackets and shoes and all that stuff doesn't sell. It just doesn't. But they're I want going want my thing to be the thing. I know
1: they're going very so modern. You've them got a lot of this. like it, it's almost like GI Joe stuff. It's like what little extra tech pack would you like to put on your on your truck and it has the <laughs> oh yeah the one where it. it's nice, that kind of stuff. It, nice. It's all that kind of accessories kind of thinking. So they are doing that. Uh, they are interesting. But then the more we started looking,
0: we came across you specifically, Paul. Came across a couple things where we went, um, wait, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Look, I'm all for the new Defender. I think it looks rugged. I think it looks cool. I like it. Even the exposed fasteners on the inside. All right, cool, fitting. The instrument panel has buckets and cubbies and places to store stuff, mm-hmm. and it's going to mm-hmm. get dirty, and you can wipe it out. It's going to be just fine. It's the Range Rover Wrangler in it's many cool. ways. It's cool.
1: It is. It's very cool. They're, they've done that with Range Rover flavor. It does seem... I talked about how it's a nostalgia exercise, like they, they want to be the old Defender and make people remember that, but they want to bring it up modern, which is hard to balance. I think they've done a pretty good job there, both in styling and in interior. I do, too. The I interior too. does simultaneously seem... And this, is, and this is almost impossible. It seems luxurious, but it also seems something... where. If you got everything muddy, you really would be okay hosing it
0: out. Yeah. And thats I'm amazed they did both. But go on. Go on to your other discoveries. All right. So stylistically speaking, pretty cool looking. Yeah. All right. So we sat in it. Pretty cool. Feels rugged. Feels well built. Cool. Like it. And then I start looking at the outside. You know how Todd and I have talked about piano black plastic, piano black material Mm -hmm. for use in interiors... When designers discovered this and the color and trim team discovered this, it got overused. Big time, big time. Because yeah, it looks great in the showroom and really nice when it's dust-free, but how about in real life use? Yep. Especially on places that you touch. Now we're finding it used sparingly interiors on places you don't touch. So okay, they're still you know very attractive to your eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's, you know, other materials where you interact with the car, great. All right. So the exterior and roofs, the specifically the roof of all the Defenders are piano black. Now, piano the, black plastic. The two door has the white top, so it's you, the ivory yeah, or the white. ivory, so you can, the ivory
1: piano. You, it's still the you, same. You idea. Can, it's you piano can black specify
0: plastic, essentially. But piano black, and then one of them had a piano black center hood, hood Even and grill. The diamond plate extra trim was also plastic, and I'm thinking, all right, let's talk about honesty of materials here. We've talked about this before using a material that is cheaper to manufacture and still looks good and feels good, Mm -hmm. that's what car manufacturers are going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people pull it off. Other car companies don't really do a great job. Sure, yeah. But piano black on the exterior and especially the roof where you've got a roof rack and you're putting gear and, you know, getting up there constantly and snow and ice and you're taking these things off-road, this is not, you know, a luxury car that's just going to stay clean most of the time. It's a truck. Theoretically. You're going to beat it up. Theoretically, You're going to yes. get, you know, branch yes. scratches and, you know, Nevada pinstripes down the side of your car. <laughs> That's it's, why the side isn't piano black. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Anyway, yeah. It's going to happen. Piano black? Well, but, as an exterior choice? Let's go simpler than that. What on earth? The the truck in front of you kicks up a rock and it scratches down your piano black. Done. That's it. Done. And just, I mean, we're driving now. I'm getting rock kickups from all the semi-trucks all over the car. Yeah. It happens. So, all right do you have to get the paint protection film all of your car which would work i mean I sure suppose. expel could
1: do that on, on on the front of the piano black as well and that's fine but i suppose i just i can't believe that they went with that material since it never looks clean and constantly gets scratched
0: and that is now your hood and roof material on an off-roader this is astounding to me that's I, amazing I think, and look i i keep thinking all right these are concepts these are not the real production cars I'm kind of thinking they are.
1: The, the ones we were seeing now
0: are. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm so. A bit worried. Which
1: brings me back to the other thing you noticed, which is the two door. Yeah. Which proportionally, pretty it's cool looking. looking. It's
0: very cool looking. There's a bit of a question mark, though, for the second row. All right. So, look at the rear passengers and look at the panel that is indeed just a urethane panel. Stuck to the glass. The box that breaks up the back window it's on the It's right side. in the center of the back side windows with the Land Rover logo. Yep. It just blocks the view when
1: you're sitting in the back seat. If you were sitting in the back seat, the place you would look out the window is now entirely blocked by a plastic box of body cladding that is stuck on the outside of the
0: window. I'm, my mouth is hanging open. I'm thinking, okay, so what... Why is that there? And it's then not I, you know, I peer into the back and I'm thinking... That's exactly where backseat passengers would want to turn their head sideways and look out the window. Yes. Like normal human beings. Yes. And you covered it up with a plastic panel. So you've got the one in the headliner above you. Mm -hmm. You've got the little tiny slit ahead of you and one behind you. But the main place you want to look outside? Nope. We covered that up. With a big plastic uh,
1: box that just says Land Rover in the corner. What? Yeah. I mean what? maybe maybe that's to you can plug modular things in if you got blank package I'm sure that's maybe, what it actually is for but how about right over the top of the window I'm fine with that Well yeah why not? doesn't it hover over the window or
0: why doesn't it move forward or back so that I don't know your rear passenger can see out I mean these are the the simple that's things That's weird it's weird And I know designers want to push on the new and push on the different and they're they're referencing things on the Defender and they're you know pulling that back Okay, I get that. But there's still got to be the functionality. And for all these things, it's just, you know, we haven't even driven these trucks and cars yet. And we're observing these things going, huh. We're thinking about them as a car you're getting in daily and you're using. And you're using in world. We're thinking about buying them. Yeah. And coming back to you listening to the podcast and saying, all right, so I'm interested in this car, truck, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How is it? You know, what compromises do you have to make? Now, we're not here to just tease car manufacturers endlessly, but it, this is just sort of like, I mean, how did some of these things slip by? Well, yeah, how is this question, genuine question getting
1: answered? How is this usability thing getting solved? Because yeah. I think it will be issues that will come back up, and that just astonishes me. So there's the two hype cars to cover. We should cover two other manufacturers we just talked about, booths in general. One was the Alfa Romeo booth, which was quite nice this year. Yeah, well, it was. Lots of looked great looked colors. Gorgeous. Looks there gorgeous. was a green on the Alfa Romeo that I, the guy that likes Skittles colors, I still think it's a bridge too far. <laughs> I, though we have found the bridge too far for me for color, it is a it is a hyper it's like green. safety yellow it's, it's green. The, it's the Lamborghini thing. green. Is it's what even it is.
0: more intense. Than but that. it's that, that looks on a Julia. In well, but but I
1: think it has to do with how bit, much bigger the Julia is and non sports car looking that makes you kind of go, is that really the color for that? It's in some new <laughs> Michael Bay movie that's on Netflix, so that's the reason that 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 it's that crazy color. But I do have to say, by the way, side note, the filmmaker in me has to say this. The Michael Bay movie and I'm not trying to do a plug but I'm going to anyway. Ryan Reynolds is in it. It's called Six Underground. Yeah. Yeah. The point is that he runs as I understand the trailer he runs a group of like international problem solvers that none of them exist. They're all like supposedly dead. Okay. Okay. If you run a group of people that are in hiding, and they make their living solving international crises because nobody knows they exist. Do you want to drive a neon green anything anywhere? That's
0: funny. I'm just thinking,
1: let's get it in black. I'm just saying, let's get it in black. I, you know, but anyway, so there's that. But they do have that blue that uh, Chance teases me by calling it uh, Dodge Blue. But that it's Dodge gorgeous. Charge Blue, that, that is a kind of their light
0: blue on the Julia, and it just, I wanted to just sit in that car for a bit. Well, so I ran into an old classmate who is one of the directors of design for Icona, and we were talking. We were just chatting, getting a little bit of uh, not insider information, but he could only tell me, obviously, the things he could tell me, knowing that, you know, I'm. Telling all of you that you're going to turn around and tell the world, yes, exactly. And uh, I said, "All right, so you're working with these companies and you're doing some cool stuff." And I said, "What about about Maserati? What's what's coming out from Maserati?" Of course you did. Of course you did. Now, if if this Quattroporte runs Uh and is an amazing winter car, I will Uh be vindicated, and suddenly I (laughs) will be a Maserati fan. And or it'll break, and I'll or, hate it. Or you'll or you'll end up as a hypocrite because of the rage uh, you've got against his I, Maserati at this point. Yeah, I just might. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to embrace either at this point. Yeah, for sure. But he said, "Yeah, there's some cool carbon, full carbon stuff coming from Maserati." And then today, finding in car news, I found a Maserati prototype that has just been released that looks pretty wicked and i'm thinking i just might be vindicated on maseratis they might come out with something that just astounds the car world and suddenly we all want maseratis i
1: don't think any of that's going to happen but i do or this thing will break i do think you've waded in about neck deep into the pool of maserati (laughs) you're not doing the backstroke like the pool of porsche but he he
0: convinced me he's like oh yeah there's some cool stuff coming from maserati sweet i actually just bought one for $10,900. $10,900. Actually, you all bought one. Yeah, they, yeah you, did, you did, guys. Thank and you for nine. that.
1: And I think at the same time, I'm so, sorry. Yeah,
0: exciting times All right, that's Maserati. going on. The
1: last one we're going to talk about is the Jeep booth, which had every flavor of Gladiator possible. And yeah, I yeah. asked this yeah, question. And I, look, I know there's the elephant engine that they're selling, and people have put that in the Gladiator. And I know people are like, Hennessy's putting in the big engines. But <laughs> they made it fit. Yeah, but, but I do want to ask this question honestly. I'm really surprised that the Gladiator, to this point, has not been released with anything but the Pentastar V6. I see your point. I know that's got some power, but that Gladiator is enormous. Mm -hmm. And I think it cries out to have, from the factory, even the bottom-level Hemi engine offered. And it doesn't. And that shocks me, because the Gladiator is simply huge. And we saw one. I'm not kidding you. It's long and huge. We saw one two-door Wrangler, the rest of the entire booth, was gladiators or four-door Wranglers. And the gladiator makes the four-door Wrangler look like the old (laughs) two-door Wrangler. So when you see a two-door Wrangler, it's like a model car.
0: (laughs) What's that small sport? Seriously? Oh, that's the original Wrangler. And it's not small, but it looks like somebody's model of a Jeep. It does. It's pretty it's astounding. It's hysterical. And it's that's pretty the only astounding. one
1: I'd want anyway. My wife, that's the only one she would want to be the two-door Wrangler, which makes me laugh because now apparently it's like the Wrangler done by Mini.
0: There's more cars we could rant on. Yeah. We saw the Audi e-tron Sportback. It was Sportback everything. It was the Atlas Sportback. And then, of course, Audi released the RS Q8 and the RS 6 Avant, which oh, pretty. look amazing. Yeah. Everything that Audi is doing is just, they're killing it. The door handles in the new S8, the new A8, essentially, just Oh, they're so yeah. They're well doing lots done. of hidden
1: features and stuff. It's it, it so looks it's well very done. clean. It's super clean. Their stuff looks very nice. The RS six is where well, none of us are surprised. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's like don't you want, want me? One. And the answer is yes, I do. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we should try to do it. There's not a lot of questions that aren't about the broken Phaeton because yes, the Phaeton's broken. Uh, we should do a couple <laughs> other questions. Uh, is that
0: going to be a recurring theme for the next eight? I I 10, really really hope not. And, and,
1: and the other thing about it is it everything about it worked
0: two days ago. <laughs> Everything about it works. Here's the thing. There is no gloating over here on this side. There's none. Because as soon as I do, something's going to go. We'll see. And
1: and you guys have asked, and we are going to keep a running tally so we can understand exactly what's been spent on these cars at every step. We're going to keep a running tally, and we will be sharing that in videos. for sure. For sure. So we can talk about what cost what. Because, you know, I I am going to back up and defend this whole ridiculous idea for one, one second, and that is this. Any, we've talked about it before. Any car it's you buy, a little buy, remorse going on for the things we might have to spend money on. No, here. no, no. Uh, any car you buy, I, look, I bought a five thousand dollar car. Forget that it's a luxury car for a second. Mm-hmm. I bought a five thousand dollar car. Sure. Any car you buy, especially a high-mile cheap car, is going to need things. Yeah, stuff oh, yeah. is going to wear out. Now, hopefully, it's not a fifteen hundred dollars a corner air suspension, but I, I want to separate out the fact that having to put th- money into a cheap car doesn't mean it's unreliable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then, if it has to be a constant thing and it's wildly expensive, yes, then you can put an unreliable badge on it. But as of this minute, it's just, okay, my $5,000 car, I just got it. I'm putting stuff into it. It broke. I'm going to need to put some more money in. I've done it to
0: everything I've owned. Sure. It's inevitable. So any car you
1: buy, especially a used car that is a cheap used car, will need stuff. That doesn't instantly mean it's reliable. You just hope that once you get over the initial hump of that problem, it's reliable for you for a bit and doesn't need stuff. That's the thing we don't know. We don't know if this Phaeton problem and your uh, uh, CEL C- C- on <laughs> oh, the... Oh, man. It's so stressful. Corp- corp- is that it's the so beginning stressful. of madness, or is that just like, okay, let's get everything settled out, let's fix some stuff? Yeah, right, I don't know. Right. We'll find out. So, damn it, Patton's asking if my son has picked a favorite yet between the QP5 and the Phaeton. Oh, yeah. And to my surprise, so far, he really prefers the Phaeton. That, that and which just
0: totally cool, and he should. It's I think cool it car. has to do
1: with the fact that it's so different... Than everything else we have, it's monstrous. It has and more and there buttons. There are so many buttons to push. That's why. So he is all about the Phaeton, and he's probably very bummed to find out that it is still broken. Yeah. But we will get back to it. All right, what are the questions you find? In uh, well, there? I have this one that I wanted to cover from Ariopolis. I'm very curious what your take is here. And then, you know what? It's we're at about an hour. We probably should wrap it up. Ariopolis said he just moved north of Denver. Okay. Everyone okay. he meets, it's a tire question. It's winter time. Everyone he meets, he seems feels like they have either all season, well, they have two sets of tires, but the sets are all seasons and winter. Okay. So he's okay. asking, do I need to buy three summers, all seasons and winters? Oh, f- to get to extract
0: the maximum performance.
1: And to be honest with you, look, we're living in Park City. I have two sets for, for cars that do b- double duty. I have a summer, like the FRS is the best example that I had. I had Michelin Pilot Supersports. Yeah, yeah. Those are my full summer performance tires. And I had Bridgestone Blizzaks as full winter tires. I did not have an all-season tire because I wanted maximum performance in either kinds of weather. Yes, that means there's a scenario there where there are some days slash you know part of better part of a month where you're not on the ideal tire for parts of the day, but you just suffer through. The thing is the the performance summer rubber, it does really well typically even in wet wet weather. It does, it's It's a temperature question. It's a temperature question. It is. And once you get below temperature, truthfully, below about 50
0: degrees, the all seasons should be winters anyway. If I were to have winter tires for the Cayman, I would just keep two sets. So it would be the PS4s and winter tires for the Cayman. But it all depends on the car, because do you really want to put really large, expensive summer tires on a SUV? I mean, that's the only question... Our Cayenne has performance all seasons for the summer and winters. Right. That's my point, is that, you know, do you want, you know, the really high-end, super expensive performance tires that that SUV is gonna chew up or you want all right, performance all seasons, which are gonna be great, and then winters. That way you avoid actually doing three sets. But it all depends on the car. So if it's, you know, an Alfa Romeo Julia, something like that, you could probably get away with high performance all seasons and then definitely do winters see but I see I on the on the alpha I would put the full summers and full winters I okay would do all fair, seasons, fair but, enough but, fair but enough. I take your point because I mean, you we, could put, if, if
1: we put you full performance spend. summer rubber on my wife's Cayenne and we were through them in 7,000 miles and then I looked at the way she was driving the car and I went I'm not doing that again so yeah. I got performance all season. and those how much hold money up you didn't want to spend? really really well for the kind of driving she does and it makes the car able to bridge that kind of shoulder. Season I mean, maybe the stuff. Julie is a bad example. You probably would want the but performance see, on but that I, car. But your point, so what's, your what's point is valid. The point that, you you know, is valid okay. on how are you driving the car is a factor here as well. So, Ariopolis, I hope that helps. Uh, the rest of the questions, I know there's a myriad of them related to uh, fate and fails. We will get back to that, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have your car debate, we're back to car debates next podcast. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. Dot com is the email address you can reach us there of course everydaydriver.com is the straight up website you can find all the films all the TV shows hey by the way if you've watched the show on Amazon specifically season five on Amazon please rate it on Amazon that helps us you guys are rating and reviewing this podcast which is helping other people find it and keeping the ratings
0: up and keeping that fine. That's, people a, finding, that's is, a big deal is rating huge. and reviewing yeah we really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you guys as always for listening. Guys we're we're looking forward to continually updating you. Like I said the <laughs> videos are coming. Yeah. They are, but we want them to be solid and good because, you know, we also have to introduce ourselves to everybody on the forums that don't know we own these cars yet. Yeah, that's coming too. It's coming. Cheers, everyone.